Welcome to Digital Mental Health Conversations, a podcast by SilverCloud Health. The ninth episode of our podcast series is about young people's mental health, the impact COVID has had, and the challenges of getting services to individuals in rural settings. For this podcast, we are very lucky to welcome Lindsay Elland. Lindsay is a service manager and trainer at Mind in the Carlisle and Eden area with over a decade of experience. She is a strong believer and feels very passionately about supporting individuals to feel equipped to manage, understand and take ownership of their mental health and emotional well-being needs, ensuring they can expand and reach their full potential. Lindsay enjoys all aspects of her role, from one-to-one work, training, supporting the team, but also the excitement that comes with the service development part of her role. This has been a real success in the CYP team, creating, co-design and produce services to ensure their success, but most importantly, receive excellent feedback and support from those who use them. In addition to her role at Carlisle Eden Mind, Lindsay has a personal project offering menopause and perimenopause awareness through the best way to glow masterclasses for individuals, groups, and organizations. This passion was born out of her personal experience of early menopause. She also offers women individual coaching through any transitional moment in their lives. In her personal life, Lindsay is a wife and mom to a daughter. Through experience, she has learned to prioritize her mental well-being by using regular physical exercise, learning new things, spending time with her family, and enjoying their home. Well, thank you very much for joining us today, Lindsay. Can you tell me a little bit more about Carlisle Eden Mind and the work that you do there? Yeah, so Carlisle Eden Mind, we're a mental health organisation. Um, it's a local part of the um, National Mind Network. Um, we're an independent charity. We're self-funded. Um, and that means that, you know, we have to kind of generate our own income around that. Um, we operate in the area of Cumbria and our particular area is Carlisle and Eden. I would say our main focus is around kind of empowering, educating and supporting people that are experiencing mental health issues. And there's a local charity, I would say, that we kind of match our services to make sure that we meet the needs of our community. Cumbria is an incredibly beautiful place to, to live and to work but it isn't without its challenges for both the people that live there, but also the services that have to operate in, in quite a, a wide rural area, is what I would say. So we offer services both to adults and young people, and they're, they're kind of numerous really and depend on the needs of those that are in the community at the time. And we try and develop services very much to fit the needs of those people. Yeah, it's often that people face unique challenges in more rural settings. So could you tell me how kind of COVID has affected the mental health of your children and young people? Uh, and what was the impact on your service in, in the past 12 months? And potentially, you know, if you could kind of uh, reflect perhaps on, on the rurality, if that's kind of a word, and the unique aspects of that. Yeah, I mean, within Cumbria, I would say that what we have is, is what we call kind of rural deprivation and what that often means is that it can be really challenging to get services to individuals or for individuals to get to services um you know so that was you know very much kind of exacerbated again by um covid um because again those services um you know shut down in lots of places and so it meant that we had to adapt very quickly to be able to provide different or um you know just new offers really 
we have found from a children and young person's perspective that, you know, with the uncertainty, understandably, that can often mean that people are starting to experience increasing mental health um, issues. You know, they, they may have worries just as in the general situation, but they also, you know, may have a fear of becoming ill or seeing their loved ones become unwell. So that increased young people's general sense of anxiety. Um, so not only for those young people that we had previously been working with, but often for young people that had previously been, you know, well and not had an experience of, of having their mental health under such pressures. Um, so that very much meant that our need for our services increased. Um, so we had more young people being referred to us, more people contacting us, you know, to inquire about how young people could access those services. And I suppose it just meant, you know, we had to be very creative about how our services became accessible. We were really, really lucky in that we were able to get many of our services online very quickly. In fact, from the children and young person's perspective, we had those services online, you know, within a week. So there wasn't a huge gap for the young people in the services and the continuity that they received. It just meant that the offer had to become slightly different, which, you know, was challenging um, because it you know, a lot of that meant that it had to become remote. So kind of rather than that face to face work. And that brings about its own challenges. You know, for some young people that causes issues with privacy at home, you know, kind of feeling that their family may overhear the sessions or they can't get that privacy to be able to speak freely. And in many young cases, the young people that we work with, some of their issues they're experiencing may be related to family relationships. And so that can add additional reasons why it it might not be possible to engage with our services. And you raise a really interesting point there around kind of remote services, online services and digital. And often these are kind of lumped together into one bucket. And I guess kind of remote services are where you're still scheduling that face-to-face time, but you're on the end of two different screens rather than in the same physical location. And then there's kind of digital therapy services where someone might work through a program by themselves. And I guess those are two different things, aren't they, in that way? Have you found those different types of digital services kind of impacting kind of children and young people? Yeah, that's a really great point. They are very different, um, but also have, you know, some similarities there. So what we found was that, you know, we gave young people a choice really as much as we possibly could. So for some young people, you know, they still wanted that element of face to face, although it be, you know, through a screen. They very much needed that kind of connection, um, you know, and we were, like you said, scheduling regular appointments to be able to catch up with those young people. For others, when that wasn't possible or when they wanted something additional on top of that to kind of work on in between those sessions that were scheduled, we would offer our Silver Cloud. um, And that meant that those young people who privacy was an issue, they could still have us within regular contact for them but without kind of that need to create a safe, quiet space within their home environment during lockdown, you know, where they could still connect with us. I recently, um, there was a statistic that was recently released that said one in four people felt that they hadn't benefited from online services. And that was kind of couched very much in a negative that digital isn't for all. And whilst I share that, what actually that shows is that three out of four people actually did kind of gain benefit from digital services. So I actually think that that's a kind of a real flag wave for the continuation of digital services. What was your experience? Yeah, and I think we have to be aware that it isn't going to fit all. And for for us, that's almost a strength. What we want to ensure young people have an opportunity to do is to make choices. 
and we don't ever want to be in a position where we're almost saying it's this or it's nothing. And so for us, being able to offer that digital option for those young people who feel that it fits for them is really important. Um, And so for us, it's not about kind of limiting our services. It's about increasing that offer. And in the environment that we live in, Cumbria, that is ever such an important offer to make, you know, because of the fact that we already have so many barriers to access services. You know, that often means that Another barrier may be if you don't, you know, if the one service that you're able to access doesn't meet your needs, it's kind of like, well, then that's it. And what we want to be able to show is that it doesn't have to be that, you know, that service might not be right for you, but it's probably more about the service not being right for you, not about the young person not fitting. It should be about options and choices for us. Yes, what I heard there is actually digital has the ability to increase choice, expand the reach of services, So, which for me is a huge kind of positive. So what were your, the main goals for your service using digital therapy in SilverCloud specifically? For Rosie, it was very much about increasing that offer. It was about increasing that offer um, you know, to young people that were finding services hard to access. So as I mentioned, you know, we do have rural deprivation. It's a beautiful place to live, Cumbria. There's no doubt about that. But it does have those challenges. And for us, it's always about kind of considering that for young people. You know, we have young people that if they wanted to access a particular service that was in their next city, for example, you know, that would mean that, you know, or, sorry, next town, that would mean that they were having to travel a great distance sometimes you know, taking up a huge amount of their time and their day, they would be missing school, for example, and having to explain potentially when they're not ready to their peers why they weren't in school on that day. You know, from a family impact point of view, that means that a parent probably has to take the morning off work and the finances and the travel that goes alongside that. So it meant that if we could break down one of those barriers for those young people, that those barriers meant a choice between accessing services or not, then that's why we felt this digital offer was really important for us. Um, and for us, it's always about education for young people. And we felt that Silver Cloud really takes a young person through a process of educating them with long lasting skills you know, that they can use to be able to help them, you know, become almost like the owners of their thoughts, feelings and behaviours, um, you know, which is so much more important than just offering a particular time frame of a service and then that young person feeling that it was almost the service that has created them to feel a little bit better. What we want young people to be constantly doing is recognising that they've developed these skills within themselves, increased their education and awareness around their mental health and wellbeing so that it's something that they're taking with them you know, into their future. I could not agree more that it's really about empowering that young person to, to develop those lifelong skills. And, you know, something like a digital therapy like SilverCloud allows you to kind of dip in and out of that kind of tool and to kind of then practice as much as you like. Often face to face is you're either in treatment or in therapy or not. It's very black and white. Uh, whereas I guess digital therapy allows that, you know, to be a kind of a digital constant for them. So I think there's some really nice applications of it. So what has been the main impact for you from using digital? I think, you know, we support more young people than we have previously done, which for us is really important because I think those are young people that, especially in the kind of area that we work in, that probably wouldn't meet the criteria for other services. So those would be young people that were either just not being supported or were increasingly potentially, um, you know, experiencing 
more significant mental health issues because of the fact that they weren't been able to access those services. So the more young people we're able to support and the more we're able to offer that support to, that's only got to be a good thing, I think. Um, I think it's, it's back to almost a comment that you, you mentioned there. You know, one young person said to me, it's kind of like having you a little bit in my pocket because when I'm feeling really unsettled in between the sessions that, you know, we have, I can get that back out and remind myself of either the messages that you sent on the review or, you know, some of the tools that, that we've completed and shared. So that's been a real impact for the young people that we work with, kind of having that constant reminder of and a go-to place that they can do in between those sessions that we might have. And I think another interesting one that I think is probably quite unique for this period of time, actually, is that we've started to see a slight trend in the number of sixth formers that are reporting that they don't feel ready to move on to university. You know, either they feel unprepared mentally or developmentally because they don't feel they've gone through the same process and stages and timeline that they would have done if COVID hadn't have happened and all the disruption to their education and that social setting and all of those things that is an important process to go through as a young person as you're starting to move away potentially from home and that school environment that you've been used to. And what we've found has been really interesting, those six formers that have used Silver Cloud, because they still have access to it for over a 12-month period, they're still going to have that access as they move into university. So in those first few weeks or even after a couple of months of settling in, they're still feeling unsettled at university. They're still going to have what they feel is a sense of support and connection with ourselves. So they'll still have a sense of that relationship being with them that's there to support them, to settle them into a new period. So I think that's been a really interesting thing that we've not considered but found out through our experience. Really interesting, the the sixth formers particularly. Have you seen, has that been due to that life event of kind of moving or going to university or has it kind of been associated with exam pressures that, you know, that maybe uh, kind of GCSE students have also kind of experienced? Do you think it's kind of life event linked or, or more kind of stressor for, from exams? I think it's a combination of both. I think the fact that, you know, we've had young people that just haven't felt that they've had the time in school, for example, to really kind of experience sixth form life and that all the independent pressures that that brings, um, you know, in preparation for moving on to, for example, uni or leaving school. I think that has been one of the things, but I think we have also seen very similar feelings in, in like you said, those students that perhaps are in you know, their GCSE years. And that's because they've been experiencing a different type of exam, um, which again is they've built these years up to, I'm going to get to GCSEs, I'm going to sit my exams. And when it's all of a sudden very different, um, I think that's been really unsettling. It sounds from what you're saying that something like Silver Cloud has allowed them to kind of take that help and support and those skills with them beyond kind of the, the sessions, beyond kind of therapy episode of care, and to kind of continue beyond that, which seems, you know, really positive that it's it's almost like tapering down the intervention rather than suddenly saying, right, you're being discharged now, um, that's it. It just allows that kind of continuation, um, which, again, can be really powerful. So what role do you see for digital therapy in the future then? I think for us, it's always going to be a blended approach. I think, um, like I said before, we are really keen to offer choice to young people 
we want young people to be able to turn to other means of support, especially if their first experience, you know, of support just hasn't been right for them. You know, we know that one size doesn't fit all, you know, especially when it comes to our mental health. You know, it's so individual, both in how we respond to situations, our outcomes and, and our experiences. And, and so for us, that's why we need to make sure that we're offering this options, I suppose. Um you know, we really value um, face-to-face and we know that young people really value face-to-face despite them being what some may call like a tech generation. But we do think that there is this place, um, you know, very much for this digital offer because of the fact that, you know, young people that we've worked with have experienced, you know, the improvements that they have on on the services. And also the flexibility is great both for ourselves, but also for those young people you know, to be able to to fit something around yourself rather than a particular time, um, you know, and a particular day of the week and, and a session that you have is really important, I think. You also mentioned that it allowed you to see more people as well, um, more clients. Is that something that you are looking to do is expand even further or to reach people quicker? You know, how can digital help with that, do you think? I think potentially it is something that we could do to expand further and, and offer to more young people. Um, I think it's very easy to deliver and it's delivered in a very supportive way. Um, Maybe something that we would consider in the future to be able to expand the offer more to other young people as well. One of the other things we've started to do is is to offer the parent programme to parents. And actually, that's been really well received as well. So, for example, if a young person just doesn't feel that it's right for them or doesn't engage in some way or doesn't feel that they're ready to engage, you know, a parent can be, you know, signed up to the parent program and that allows them in a in an almost third party way to be able to support that young person to help them improve their mental health if they're not quite ready and in a position to do that for themselves. And I guess there's a lot of therapeutic value delivered through and by parents, particularly as a young person is younger and younger. Um, we should never kind of forget the power of the environment that, that a young person is uh, in. So, so I think that's kind of great. And what's been the feedback from parents about the digital therapy? It's been really positive. Um, you know, I'm working with um, a mum at the moment who her daughter is is not able to go to school at the moment due to her levels of anxiety. And, you know, she was saying that it's causing quite a bit of conflict at home for them. You know, she has a job and, and she's a single parent and, you know, she needs to be in work. And so, you know, when her daughter isn't able to do that, as in go to school, you know, that obviously puts pressures within the family environment. And, you know, her mum says, you know, I feel terrible because I'm in this situation where I'm having a go at her because she isn't going to school. But I know that there's reasons behind her not going to school. And it's not just pure choice, you know, that her mental health is preventing her from doing that. But I just don't know what to say. And I don't know how to support her best. I mean, I'm struggling to get that balance between being consistent and supportive but also you know kind of challenging her appropriately when I need to and she's found that by educating herself on you know anxiety and you know the techniques within CBT one it's helped her to feel better and calmer in herself which has helped her to respond to her daughter in in a much calmer kind of more responsive um, you know, more educated way, I suppose. And and, and parents, you know, it's, it is really tough when you're in that position, you know, just trying your best, I think. Um, and, and this has helped. Yeah. And I guess when a young person comes to therapy by themselves, you know, often parents are, are wanting carers, are wanting to be helpful, but sometimes they may say things that might be, counteract some of the work that's been done in therapy. 
you know, consciously or unconsciously, deliberately or, or by accident. So I think kind of working with the whole kind of family unit can be really very powerful. And so if digital allows you to address those, then the gains that a, a young person can be made are not going to be kind of undone. Um, that it can only be enhanced by the parents. So that, that's really nice to hear. Mm, definitely. Is there any kind of other things that you think are perhaps unique to your service or unique to kind of the rural area of Carlisle, et cetera, um, where digital might be kind of particularly useful? Or, or is there anything that you want to kind of share that we haven't covered today? Is anything necessarily that we haven't covered about the uniqueness of, of kind of the service? Because kind of I've mentioned that the challenges that we find, I suppose. Um, for me, from a staff point of view, I think that's been really interesting, you know, kind of how um, the staff have, have been able to, you know, work on the platform really and kind of gain their confidence through through using the platform. I think we were a little reluctant, um, if that's the right word, you know, at thinking, was it going to become some generic kind of faceless service? And and we were really, really keen that that just didn't happen. And, and what we did was we made sure that we worked really hard before we started to work with young people to go through the Silver Cloud um, educational programme that's on there. And that was really helpful for us to understand how the platform would work and, and how we kind of needed to make those slight tweaks and changes to how we would deliver the service. But also one of the things that was really good and one of the things I was really keen on as a service manager was that, you know, every coach, what we call our staff that support those young people, um, every coach used the demo programme that's on there. So they fully immersed themselves and went through the demo programme. Um, and for me, that was really important because I wanted them not only to understand the programme and what it offered, but also to really feel a little bit of what it might feel like for a young person going through that programme so that they could really understand and respond individually to that young person. And I think what staff have also shared is that you don't feel like it becomes generic because you can still use that messaging part to really show your style of response. So whether that down to your, to your wording, your language that you use, the tone that you use, the challenges that you make of that young person, it still is really individualised both for the young person, but also both, you know, for the therapist that's working with them. Yeah. And, and you know, those fears around using digital and you mentioned specifically around it feeling generic and it not being kind of tailored to them. It's interesting that there are lots of different fears and you mentioned but one. And we found that often those fears are not borne out in reality when you actually push forward with a service. Um, so it, it's important that we kind of test and challenge those, those assumptions that we have around digital. Um, and it sounds like you've done that and pushed through those barriers and found that actually, you know, they weren't kind of accurate and actually the service was helpful. Yeah. I would agree. And it was, you know, something that, you know, we were naturally apprehensive about, you know, it's something that we we pride ourselves a lot on, which is that relationship building with that that young person and have been able to, you know, make sure that they remain the centre of the work that we're doing. And, and I still think that is achievable with a blended approach that we're using. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Well, I'm going to kind of leave it there, uh, Lindsay. So thank you ever so much for joining us on this podcast today. Um, it's been really insightful. And you've kind of mentioned a lot of really, you know, different but really important issues about engaging with young people, the difference around kind of certain services and the settings and the impact of digital can have, both in terms of children and young people, but also 
working with parents um, and delivering value through them. So I found it incredibly interesting. So thank you very much for, for joining us. Thank you. And thank you very much for inviting us. Thank you. Thank you.